Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The apostle is writing to his one of his favorite sons, Timothy. And we start here in verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Isn't it bizarre that the modern church does not understand that the laying on of hands is mentioned in Hebrews, Mike, as a doctrine? How about that? Do you know that for whatever reason God Almighty has chosen that certain things in the spirit realm are transferred through symbolic action? The laying on of hands, there is something that transpires in the realm of the spirit. Over and over again, Old and New Testament, there is a laying on of hands for uh, affirmation and for transfer of spiritual gifting. So here's what I want to tell you. Spiritual genetics are passed down. Some of the traits that you're wearing in your body today were passed down through your parents, were they not? You learned that in elementary school. Did you know that a lot of what you're like and what you're going to be like is transferred from your spiritual parents? You know what I'm trying to tell you? It is vitally important for us to be under the right spiritual leadership. You will take on the characteristics of those you submit to in a place of leadership. You will. Paul says the laying on of hands, that which you received, stir it up. What does that mean? You've got a, you have got something to do about this matter yourself. You can't wait on God. He says for you to stir it up. How do you stir up something that has been spiritually granted? By faith, through worship, in prayer, through the spoken word, through obedience, through operating in that which God has gifted you to do. Stir up. In other words, get moving with that which has been deposited in you by the Lord. For God, verse 7, has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say this with me. Whatever fear I have did not come from God. Now, wow, that is a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? If I have fear, it wasn't given to me by God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, dynamic, dunamis, dynamite-like power, of love, that's agape, unconditional, unrelenting love, and of a sound, ordered mind. God has not given me spirit of fear, but he has given me internal spiritual power. He's given me his unconditional, powerful love, and he has given me an ordered mind. Sometimes when my mind gets ragged and I get confused and oppressed, 
I will remind myself of this promise. This disorder in your mind, Steve, did not come from God. So what are you going to do about it? Understand that if it didn't come from God, it came from somewhere else. Either your own flesh, either from the world around you, or from the enemy himself. You say, Pastor, does the enemy, uh, he doesn't indwell me, but he can't oppress me. If I leave the doors and gates and, and windows of my inner man open. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I made a statement two weeks ago, and I stick by it. All of us have hidden pockets or obvious pockets of fear somewhere in our inner man. It's not in the depths of your being where the Holy Spirit lives because he's not afraid of anything. There's no fear there because that's where the love of God has been deposited in your inner man. And perfect love casts out fear. But in our soul, that is in our, uh, that part of us that is inseparable from our spirit but distinguishable from our spirit. Now think about this now. You've got, you've got to grow up. Don't be a child. That spiritual part of us, our mind, our will, our emotions. I'm not talking about your brain. Your brain gives all kind of inputs uh, into, your, into your soul. But remember, your brain is a physical organ. They're doing surgery on that down there at UAB today. And it, it is a massive, wonderful computer but your mind is that spiritual part of you of your soul that is, has been created in the image and likeness of God. And your mind is that processor of all the thoughts and the signals that come into your inner man. It processes what you see and hear from the outside. It processes what hopefully you're hearing on the inside from the Holy Spirit. And it's also processing those lies that you're getting from the evil one who has influence in this world system. So the mind is a massive processor, and it is the key to whether or not you're going to operate in success or not in your walk. Massive processor. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, and every one of us have to deal with this thing called fear. Well, let's get a definition of it. The best definition I have ever come across and stuck with is fear is an internal forecast of an undesired result. An internal forecast of an undesired result. I experience fear when I begin to think about or feel things that I don't want to happen. Do you, are, are you that way? When I hear things or feel things that I don't want to happen, there is a reaction in me. There is more than a reaction. There is a, a condition, a mindset, if you will, that develops if it stays in there a long time and it's not dealt with. In there where? On the screen of my mind. What I find is, Myself starts talking to me 
instead of me talking to myself. You know the difference. You need to learn the difference. That's going to be the key to a lot of your spiritual growth. We'll get to that. Fear. It is an internal forecast of an undesired result. Now, we're not talking about a reaction here. Twice I've been traveling down 65 at a fairly high rate of speed. We won't go there. And had blowouts on the highway. And i got to tell you, when my steering wheel started shaking and that wonderful vehicle that we affectionately call the barge, it's only 18 years old now, started really shaking like it was going to come apart. There was a reaction that wasn't pleasant. It was, is this going to be the end? And, but that reaction caused me to take action, to pull over as best I could and to hold on to the side of the road. You take your temperature and it's 103. There is a reaction in you that says, I need some Tylenol. I need to call the doc. That's not sin. That is a reaction for your well-being. It's not a condition. It's a reaction. And that is not the kind of fear we're talking about. So... <clears throat> What are we talking about? The kind of fear the Bible discusses is an inner atmosphere. That is something that continues. It lingers and it festers. And a lot of times we're not cognizant of it, but at opportune times when we see something or hear something or think something, it rises to the surface. It is a forecast in our inner man of a result we don't want to happen. Man. Joe and Sharon, y'all had to deal with that a lot, had you, in the last four years. You've seen and heard certain triggers, and you know good and well that if I'm you, I'm having to fight the forecast that this is it. Right? They tell you you have stage four cancer, and it's not good. You have to fight that forecast, do you not? Some of you listen to and look at your children, and you, there is a forecast of their demise that is never going to get any better. It's always going to be this way, and it's going to get worse. Some of you are fighting addiction. And there is that forecast. I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to be locked down. My life will never be able to be free of this. Some of you are having some hard times at work and in business. And you look at your resources and you see them sinking fast. There is a forecast. We're not going to make it. It's going to run out. Our provision is not going to be sufficient for our need. Some of you see and feel relationships that are fractured, and there is a forecast. 
I'm going to be another statistic. My marriage is going to end. It's not going to work. It's going to end in divorce, and I'll be alone. There is an inner atmosphere. There is a condition that is on the inside of us in our minds that affects our emotions and it affects our will, our choices, that sometimes we're not cognizant of it, but when certain stimuli happen, it rises to the surface and there we go, we're dealing with fear. Y'all are looking at me kind of blank. I'm, I'm, am I the only one? Me and Jim, the only one that deal with that. <laughs> Look. Let me help you understand. <clears throat> Let me give you a few faces of fear. The Lord showed me years ago that I was afraid, uh, that I had a fear of rejection. That I, deep down, had a fear that uh, I wouldn't be pleasing to the people that mattered in my life. Now I'm confessing my sin here. Anybody else can raise their hand and say, I feel your pain, Pastor. Oh, okay, good. All right, I feel better now. I was so afraid of failure because I was afraid that if I failed or I didn't please somebody that I would be rejected. You know, one of my greatest things that I have to deal with is this fear of, you can call it abandonment or being alone. Sometimes I have to deal with thoughts of, you know, what if she went before me? My soulmate, she is my world. She is my life. You have no idea what we've been through together. This is not an easy journey to be a spiritual leader, to watch your own flesh and blood die with your own eyes. You have no idea. Sometimes my thoughts will go to her leaving before me, and it's brutal. Man, I can hardly stand it. Anybody else can say, I've been there, Pastor. Fear of being alone. Fear of losing someone you love. Fear of lack. Many, many, many years ago, I, uh, I got to tell you, we looked lack in the face for a, a long time. Many of you have as well. And uh, I know some of you are, are, are concerned about lasting to the end of the month. We were in a place to where I was concerned about lasting to the end of the day. You ever been there? Lack is a brutal, brutal enemy, and man, it will produce, it will bring fear to the surface, and it is overwhelming. Going to run out. 
not going to be able to keep homes, vehicles, things that you need to operate in this world, lack, fear death. I don't really fear death's going to be the easiest, greatest thing ever. I just sometimes have fear about how I'm going to get there. Dying, dying would cause more fear to me than death. Death's going to be the greatest release me and you've ever had. But sometimes don't you just give a few fearful thoughts to how it might look for you? I'm not trying to plant seeds of fear. I'm just trying to help you understand that we all have some of these. Amen? Don't act like you don't. Disease. Being disabled. On and on and on and on. The symptoms of fear can look like a million different things. Do you know, the Lord showed me another something this week, and I'm confessing my sin today. I had to write it down because I noticed that I was developing some anxiety and fear not about myself or Dina and me, but I was developing some anxiety and fear about my ability to help those that I thought I was supposed to help. Anybody else feel my pain on that one? And here's what the Lord told me. I had to write it down. This is a stinger. When I feel like that without me, things would fall apart for other people, or that somehow without me, others wouldn't make it. I have developed a false sense of my own importance, and I'm acting like I am sovereign in somebody else's life. I'm acting like I'm their provider, I'm their deliverer, I'm the answer to their problems. I am the source of their security and success. And what God was saying to me is, you have no ability and no, no right to act like that, even in your inner man. Now, is, we're just having a family talk today, aren't we? Is it true? that the Lord will use me to help people that he has brought into my life, my little small circle of those I should help uh, assist him with. Is it true that there will be seasons where I am supposed to help them keep water out of the boat? Y'all know what I mean by that? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. We're not talking about those temporary seasons of helping those God has brought into your life. The problem is we cannot allow that to develop into feeling the responsibility for their security and well-being. Because when we do, we start enabling and entitling them to live a life that is not, it is not pleasing to the Lord. 
And you know what? If I am making it so easy for somebody else that they don't have to fall on their face just like I do and depend on God, I am not doing them a favor. And buddy, that is a tough one with your grown children, isn't it? That's a tough one. Well, what's the answer? You and the Lord have to wrestle it out and ask for him to counsel you. And and can I tell you something? You can read all the books you want to, and they can help you some, but it's going to come down to you and the Lord wrestling it out. Don't take on condemnation for where you are or where your kids are right now. The worst thing you can do is to beat yourself up because the fact of the matter is, listen to, are you listening? Your broken adult children are there because of their choices, not yours. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? You are not in control of that. And if you try to stop every consequence of their choices, you might be interfering with something that the Lord wants to do that's vital in their life. That is a tough one, isn't it? Well, how do I know? You and the Holy Spirit are going to have to wrestle it out. You're going to have to seek wisdom and guidance from the Lord. And can I tell you something? Don't be afraid to get and to stick with godly professional counsel. One of the terms of Jesus is he is a wonderful counselor. And let's not forget that. So, now that I've confessed my sin, that was a stinger. That one of the fears I have is that I wouldn't be able to take care of those that I wanted to. And at first it sounds noble, doesn't it? But the Holy Spirit's not buying it. He's not buying it. What I want you to understand is you, have, you cannot adopt an attitude of sovereignty toward those who should be making choices for themselves. Can you help for a season? Yeah. How long will it be? I don't know. There's not a one-size-fits-all. And don't get into condemnation that it's lasted a long time. That you shouldn't take on guilt and condemnation. Everybody's on their own journey. Assist, pray, love, encourage. Support as you can, but don't take on the mindset that you are the provider. You are the sovereign And don't take on the mindset that without you, it'd all fall apart. Are y'all listening to me? If I'm not here next Sunday, it won't fall apart.
Now, it'll look different. It will look different. But it may be that I won't be here. But it won't fall apart if it's of God. Because I'm not the sovereign over this church. No, I'm not. I am not the sole. Oh, my name's on, I, my name's on all the legal and, and financial stuff. It's all on me. And I understand that. I get it. But the church will not fall apart if I'm not here next week. Can I tell you something? Contrary to what you may believe, your business, your family may not fall apart if you weren't here next week. Isn't it amazing how important we tend to think we are? So next Sunday, if I'm not here, lift up your head and rejoice. It may get better. Fear. One of, the, one, of, one of the things that is so damaging about fear is we actually become attractive. We start attracting what we don't want. You say, I don't know about that, Pastor. Have you ever said things like this? If it can go wrong, it'll happen to me. If somebody's out there doing this, that, and the other, and they break their leg, it'll be me. If things go sour, you can bet on it, it'll be me. You better watch that now. The Word says that as you think in your heart, so are you. And by the words of your mouth, you will either receive condemnation or, or approval from God. Life and death in the power of the tongue. So what I am continually fearing, I am attracting. So if you are continually fearing your own demise or that of your business or that of your health or that of your marriage, you're going to operate in an atmosphere and a condition of fear and you're going to actually attract it to yourself. Job said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. Oh, wow. So we be, I don't know about you, but we better deal with our fears, haven't we? I become attracted, I become attractive to what I continually fear. I'm not talking about a passing thought. I'm not talking about something I deal with a day or two. I'm talking about a condition, an inner atmosphere that continues to develop. What happens, what does fear bring? Fear brings a lack of intimacy, do you know, and it starts with you and Jesus. If I'm holding on to fear, my intimacy with the Lord is violated. The love of God is resisted where I'm holding on to fear in my inner man. And I'll prove that to you from the Scriptures in just a second. Job 
Do you know that in your relationship with your spouse, in any kind of relationship that you have that is covenant-related like your spouse, your children, do you know that intimacy is repelled by fear? There are things that you don't want to share with your spouse or those in covenant relationship because you are afraid that if they were to really know it, then it would really affect the way they see you. Intimacy is really opposed by fear. If you are beginning to see intimacy with your spouse begin to get uh, more and more distant, maybe you should meet with the Lord and say, Lord, show me where, there's, uh, where I've allowed fear to, to grow in, in my relationship. Because, uh, understand this, Fear always creates distance. I, 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 want to, I want to distance myself from fear. Don't you? And uh, if I am fearful of somebody's response, I am not going to be open and honest with them. And that is a violation of intimacy. If... I don't deal with my fear, then I will have to control and manipulate people and circumstances to make sure my fear doesn't come to pass, right? So if I have fear about my relationships, my business, my investments, my health, whatever it is, I'm going to start obsessing and trying to control and manipulate that area because I'm afraid of a result I don't want. So I try my best to control and manipulate that, God forbid, person, circumstance. And it's fear-driven. I'm afraid that's going to produce a result I don't want. It's fear. So I, I start acting with control and manipulation and trying to make sure it turns out the way I want it to because of a result I don't want. And you know, I'll, I'll always when I do that, I start overcompensating. I give it way too much thought. I give it way too much ability to keep me anxious. I, I, I work on it way too much to try to make sure that I control and manipulate it so it doesn't bring the result that I don't want. Am I the only one or is there two or three others? It's based out of fear. Sometimes fear causes me to flee. It causes me to just not, I, I'm just not going to deal with that. Sometimes it's noble not to deal with that. Because it's not worthy of having to deal with it. But a lot of times, if I say I'm not going to deal with that, it's because I'm fearful that if I really deal with it, I will come to grips with the fact that there's fear underneath the surface. I really am afraid of a result I don't want. So I really just don't even want to talk about it. Can anybody identify? It's flight. 
Sometimes when I get in fear, I will want to isolate. Oh, it sounds good. Well, he's just going over there to, you know, be by himself and figure it out. That's not always the case. Sometimes when we get fearful, we just don't want to deal with somebody else because we're afraid that it'll come to light. But most of all, I want you to know that fear is a powerful resistant to agape, to God's kind of love. It causes us to become self-absorbed. I'm going to close with this. Turn to 1 John 1, please. 1 John, I'm sorry, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. I'm not going to get through the outline today. Hope you'll come back next Sunday as we continue this. 1 John 4. In your outline, God showed me this week that fear is an insult to the love of God. Everybody listen to me. Look this way just a minute. Are you guilty as I am by saying, well, fear, everybody's got it. Everybody has fear. That's not acceptable. Fear is serious. It is an insult and a violation to the character of God because the Word says that God's care, God is love. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm embracing fear, I am violating the very character and heart of God. Does everybody say that? Perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm embracing fear, I am violating the character of God is serious. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. My fear and your fear is a serious thing. And we have to learn to put our spiritual foot down and to say no more. And to begin to take steps of faith and obedience. Here we go. First John 4, you see in it there, verse 6, we have known and believed the love God has for us, for God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And look at verse 18. There is no fear. Everybody say no fear. There is no fear in love, God's kind of love. For perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. It sure does. But he who fears is not made perfect in love. Here's what we all have to come to grips with. God, your love has some work to do on me. It is interesting to me, I did not say a word to Sharon or the praise team about today's message, and I thank Deborah for this beautiful graphic. But did you notice what our worship was all about? The love of God. Do you know that I pray for you every day and I ask God for three things for you in this new year. Are you ready? I ask God to give you increased revelation of how much He loves you. To break the power of shame and guilt and fear. Second thing I pray for you is that God will give you 
the right relationships and that the right relationships would be deeper. And the third thing I pray for you is that God would entrust you with more of His resources. Do you understand that God loves you? He'd rather His kids have His wealth than the drug pushers and the devil. Do you know that? Revelation, relationships, and resources. And I am praying daily for that. But here's what I want us to understand. It is the revelation of God's love that drives out fear. It blocks our faith from working. And I also want to remind you of what we read at the very beginning. God has not given us a what? Did you know that there's an active agent behind fear? It's not just a thought process. There is a personality behind fear that is trying to keep you enslaved. Keep you from really experiencing freedom and the love of God. There is an agenda from an active spiritual agent. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Fear is not just a mindset. It is a spirit. Sometimes when I'm dealing with fear, when it comes to the surface, I'll have to leave wherever I am and I'll have to get off by myself. And I will have to say something like this. In the name of Jesus, fear does not come from God. He has not given me the spirit of fear. I've been given power, love, and a sound mind. And so I hereby declare, you spirit of fear, you, dis you be dismissed from, my, from my, my presence, my property, and all that is dear to me given by God. You say, Pastor, that's a bizarre. No, it is not bizarre if you believe the Word of God. The spirits are subject to the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's all stand. Are we getting in your business just a little bit? Dean and I are honored to be your spiritual shepherds. We take it very seriously. We pray for you every day. We thank you. We thank you that you are a part of this faith family. We pray God would send all of those he's chosen. We pray the Lord will speak to you and encourage you. And Father, today in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would break the spirit of fear off of all of us. I pray, God, that the light of your spirit by the truth of your word will shine the light into every dark place in our inner man. Bring to the surface, Lord, those fears that are buried deep in me. Bring them to the surface, Lord, that so that by the truth of your word, by the power of your manifested love that all fears cast out. I thank you, O oh God. Now I want you to say this with me, church. Are you ready? Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I hereby declare war on all fear in my inner man. I declare fear has no place 
in me. My God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I hereby say, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I hereby say to you, dear Jesus, expose in me any root of fear and give me the grace to apply your love, your mighty power, and your sound mind to give you the victory in the name of Jesus. Show me those areas in my life that I need to let go of. Show me those areas in my life that I need to lay hold of. I want to take new ground. I dismiss the mighty spirit of fear under the mighty hand of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week. We'll continue this study. All right? God bless you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.